So welcome back. I hope that was useful for you. So I, I'd like to continue with some further reflections upon this quality of virya, um, translated as courage or fearlessness. But it's acknowledging that this word, this one word virya in Pali, it, it's very much a spectrum word. Um, so it has many nuances within it. There's a refrain that is frequently occurring in the Satipatthana Sutta, one of the most seminal teachings on mindfulness, where the, the Buddha speaks of a practitioner contemplating their present moment experience, ardent, fully aware, and mindful. This word ardent, or ardency appears often in the early texts and implies a, a sense of passion, a passionate interest, that there is nothing tepid or lukewarm about this. Another word from the Pali that describes or translates from this word ardency is samvega, or a spiritual urgency, the, the deep longing to be awake, um, that guides our, our speech, our thoughts, our actions, uh, uh, an ardency where our attention is not diverted or distracted, that's cultivated in the midst of the veiling or the hindrance factor. I think one thing that is very clear is that when there is virya, a passionate interest, a dedication, there is unlikely to be dullness, numbness, or dissociation present. We look at our lives knowing we have a limited time to live. What do we want to have available to us on our deathbeds? I think it's probable that our possessions, our identities, our roles, and achievements will have very limited power to sustain us in the most difficult moments of our lives. It is more probable that our capacity to abide with a mind that is a friend, kindness, compassion, understanding and equanimity will truly be our allies. So let's look at this quality of virya and some of its aspects, beginning with this nuance of courage or fearlessness. Now here we're, we're not talking about grand dramatic acts or grand gestures, but much more about a sustained commitment. When I began my own practice, my own path in the early 70s, I started practicing in a community of Tibetan refugees who were not long out of Tibet. And this was a people who had you know, lost so much, many had lost almost everything. And they had so much heart heartache and they faced so much danger and loss. Yet what truly struck me was the ways in which their hearts were so intact that their commitment to compassion and liberation seemingly was unbroken. And this is virya. 
one elderly monk who endured years of imprisonment and deprivation was asked by the Dalai Lama, what, what was your time of greatest danger? And he said, my greatest time of greatest danger was the moments I felt at risk of losing sight of compassion for my jailers. This is Viria. I think Viria has much to do with our willingness to bear discomfort. You know, we, we, we have an allergy, something of an allergy to discomfort, don't we? And we have so many strategies to avoid discomfort, our various addictions, our refrigerators, our tablets, our screens. But something to do with our willingness to bear discomfort, to have the confidence to stand in the midst of the difficult, what might feel to be unbearable, and not resort to the familiar mechanisms of flight, avoidance, or agitation. To be able to forbear or bear with the conditions we find ourselves in and find an appropriate response. And in the, in the early days of the pandemic, when I was beginning to teach on Zoom, I found myself saying over and over again, you know, that this time is not a waiting room. You know, if you're living in a mind that says, I'm waiting for this to be over in order to begin my practice. You know, we're, we have a little bit of wrong view that this is not a waiting room. This is our classroom. And I think about that in so many situations in our lives when we're faced with the difficult, how our minds lean forward and say, you know, when this is over, then I'll be, you know, really generous and really calm and really compassionate. But these are the moments that we're asked to cultivate virya. Traveling this path, we will all meet moments of struggle, despair, and this discomfort, actually, of encountering some of our most deeply embedded passions. We meet dukkha. And I think of dukkha, our meetings with dukkha, as being a kind of crossroads. Meeting dukkha can open the door to a surge of veiling patterns, craving for something better. Um, we just want to feel good. We have all our ideas of a better moment. How in our meeting with, with dukkha, it can open the doors of ill will that this shouldn't be happening. It's not fair. I hate this. I want this to be over. That we so often meet dukkha with agitation and worry. You know, how, how do I fix this? You know, what kind of mechanisms or strategies do I need to devise in order to, to fix this? What if this lasts forever? How often we, we might find ourselves meeting dukkha with dissociation. I, I just want to numb out. I want to check out. I want not to feel. Or how often we, we meet dukkha with, with doubt. Perhaps I'm not up to this task. Everyone else might be able to awaken, but not me. Or we can draw upon virya to turn towards the difficult rather than to turn away, to be steadfast in our commitment to understanding, 
it's so helpful to acknowledge that the link between interest, intention, and energy and virya. To bear the discomfort of not knowing how things will unfold. That's a big one. You know, we, we want answers. We want an end point. We want certainty. To not knowing how things will unfold. The courage to be able to question and to be surprised. I think, as I mentioned, very, very much looks backwards to investigation. Investigation takes us beneath the surface of our ideas and views. We may discover I, I'm not the kind of person I believed myself to be. This is often a surprise to people in meditation practice. I remember once teaching and, and uh, there was a, a woman in the group who was actually experiencing quite a lot of rapture. And, and she came to an interview and she said, but, and I named it, I said, I, I think this is, this is rapture. She says, no, no, I, I don't do rapture. I'm, I'm not that kind of person. This has got to be menopause. You know, I don't do rapture. I said, I think this might be rapture. Or, or we encounter moments of, of calm and generosity. And they were, I don't do calm. You know, I do agitation in it. We're not the kind of person I believed myself to be. And another person may not be the kind of person we thought they were. I think part of courage really lies in the, in the willingness to be surprised. Virya is about being dedicated to skillful intention. The intentions to live an ethical, responsive, engaged life in the midst of joy and in the midst of sorrow, pleasure and pain. You know, the great art of a meditative life is being able to sustain intention. This is a great art, not only of a meditative life, but of a life well lived, of being able to sustain intention. And isn't that so difficult? You know, that we can go out of our house in the morning, you know, with the intention to be a reasonably sane, kind, patient human being until, you know, until the bus is late or we're stuck in a traffic jam or we meet someone who's rather, we find rather irritating. And then we find that that intention just, just folds and you know? it just, it just disappears. And it is a great art of this life. It's about being able to sustain intention and that takes furia it takes that kind of dedication you know in the midst of those moments when our intentions feel like they're about to collapse to be really able to realize that intention is not just something we set once you know intention is something we set and reset and reset multiple times in a day Virya is also about a radical shift inwardly that I mentioned in the beginning of the day, where we learn to, to give greater authority to our intentions and our understandings than to the most predominant mind state of the moment. I, I think this is huge. Um, we so often feel that, you know, it's authentic 
to live out our moods. You know, if if I'm angry, it you know, it's authentic, it, it's real, it's my truth to live out that anger. You know, our world is filled with those who believe this to be so. It is about giving greater authority to the intentions we know to be skillful rather than to the moods that can so easily govern us. I think virya is sometimes so simple about the continued willingness to show up for our life for the moment, however it is. It's not about how we feel, but about what we value and how we wish to live our lives. You know, if you think about so many situations in life, you know, a parent of a newborn very rarely feels like getting up in the middle of the night to feed their child, but they do it because they have that dedication to the intention to care. You know, I think about teaching retreats, you know, and what it would be like if I said to people, you know, well, only come in the hall if you really, really feel like it. You know, mostly I would often have a half-empty hall. You know, but people show up because they give greater authority to those intentions than to the emotion or the mind state of the moment. Virya is about, as the Buddha puts it, swimming against the tide. It's about swimming against the tide of our own impulses, compulsions, and habitual patterns. It's about swimming against the tide of the veiling or the hindrance factors. Sometimes it means swimming against the tide of society, societal norms that cause distress and suffering. So view is not only about how we are inwardly, it is about how we are in life. I think we see virya in every social political movement that values justice, equality, and freedom, both historically and today. Virya is found in people who find the courage to, to say no to the unacceptable rather than to bow to it. Sometimes it's about swimming against the tide of social mores, you know, like what does it mean not to, you know, when, when gossip is going on, what does it mean not to join in, you know, to, to risk popularity, you know, or to risk a sense of belonging, because you know that this is actually really not so wholesome or skillful. If we look at the people who've really made a difference in the world, you know, Historically and today, environmental groups, Black Lives Matter groups, uh, women's movements, all uh, LGBTQA, all of this involves viria. It's against swimming against the tide of what is kind of accepted as being acceptable when perhaps it is not. I think all profound change, both inwardly and outwardly, rests upon viria and asks for viria. It's not an easy path to take, but it is one where we actually can sleep at night, actually knowing that our actions and our speech are really in accord with what we really honor and respect and value. In the Tibetan tradition, there's a lovely saying that says, the essence of viria 
The essence of courage is finding joy in the undertaking of wholesome and skillful actions, thoughts, and words. Virya is the quality, the mental factor that is present in skillful effort or appropriate response. There's a, a, a teacher, a well-known teacher, who was once asked, he says, what is the most important lesson you have learned in all your years of practice? And he answered, an appropriate response. An appropriate response. What is an appropriate response in the midst of our lives, in the midst of the, the, the hindrance factors? So when we look at the effort level that is born of virya, the Buddha lists this. He says it's to prevent the arising of unarisen, unwholesome states. To protect the mind from the arising of unarisen, unwholesome states. That sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? You know, how do you know that there's an unwholesome state about to pop up when it hasn't even arisen? Well, actually, we know sometimes that there are places and not to be if we're going to protect the well-being of our mind. We know there's things that it's helpful not to do if we're going to protect the well-being of our mind. Maybe it's helpful not to spend, you know, eight hours a day on our screens. Maybe if we have addictions, it's helpful not to hang out in pubs. You know, maybe if we have anxiety or self-doubt, maybe it's helpful not to hang out with people who actually criticize us over and over again. The second of the efforts that is born of courage is to unbind from or to release unwholesome states that have already arisen. You know, sometimes I think we, you know, we can't really afford ill will. You know, people find themselves getting sick with aversion, you know, and ill will. You know, we, we can't really, and our world can't really afford craving, you know, the endless pursuit of the pleasant sensation. We can't really afford this. You know? We can't really, we pay a very high price for being lost in states of, of anxiety and agitation. And we can't really afford dullness or dissociation. You know, we need to learn the ways to release the unwholesome states through cultivating the skillful and the wholesome, to really have confidence in that. To arouse wholesome states that have not yet arisen, to arouse the, the skillful, the wholesome states that are found within the, the seven limbs of awakening, that are found within collectedness, that are found within kindness and compassion, to consciously cultivate these, to deepen, sustain, and bring to fruition that which is wholesome and liberating. We come to this word in the Pali, which is bhavana. This is often badly translated as meditation. It actually translates us to cultivate or to bring into being. 
to bring to fruition. It's like you plant a seed in your garden and you know if you want it to grow. You really have to water it. You have to pay attention to it. You have to care for it. Bhavana, the Bojangas, the seven limbs of awakening, are wholesome, liberating qualities of heart available to us that we learn to cultivate. And we learn to cultivate these qualities in the classroom of our lives to clarify our deepest longings and values that are too important to forget. So much of this path, as I read it, is about cultivating the lovely, about cultivating the healing and the liberating, and having confidence in that cultivation that this will take us towards much greater wakefulness, a much greater sense of aliveness. So I want to pause there for a moment and just to see if there's any any questions or reflections on Viria or actually on anything else that we've covered so far today? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.